right, let's get into it. Welcome, welcome to episode 16 of the Citizen Curious Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Lee. We are coming to you live and direct, as always, from the ultra-secretive, highly confidential location in Lower Manhattan, known as the Carmine Street Studios. More specifically, my apartment, and even more specifically than that, my kitchen table. We are under duress right now, but the show must go on. On a national level, we've got COVID, we've got the Trump hangover, we've got snowstorm after snowstorm here in New York City. We've got sub-zero freezing temps all over the country. And on top of everything, on a personal level, I came down with strep throat. Good folks at CityMD gave me every rapid test imaginable. COVID, negative. Regular flu, negative. But strep, boom, we found a winner. But here we are powering through, and the show must go on. Okay. So on today's show, we bop over to Fort Greene in Brooklyn, and we talk to Tomer Blackman, chef owner of the Mediterranean restaurant Miss Ada's. They serve up Israeli slash Mediterranean food with a twist. Tomer grew up in Israel, initially pursued a career in shiatsu therapy, and then at the age of 28, enrolled in the CIA. Not the Central Intelligence Agency, but the Culinary Institute of America. He worked at New York City institutions like Gramercy Tavern, Maialino, and Cookshop before breaking out on his own and opening Miss Otis. I think they've been listed Michelin-rated three years in a row now, regularly featured in annual best-of lists and publications like Eater. It's right off the park in Fort Greene. They serve items like sweet potato hummus, which comes with a creme fraiche, paprika oil, and almonds, whipped ricotta with brown butter, honey, and sage, that dish is insane. It is a dessert. It is a delicacy. It is absolutely insane. Housemade lobney and baba ganoush, the lamb shawarma is to die for. The sal- excuse me, the salmon belly skewers are to die for. If you're looking for top-notch food in a relaxed environment, the moment you walk into, you can tell is all about community. Miss Otis is your place. I can't recommend it enough. I went there just this Saturday. We had some cold temperatures to contend with. Dipped down into the 20s. I think when we sat down to eat, it was 28 degrees. We had outdoor dining, of course. We sat in the back in the garden. We had the best seat in the house. Look, I know that sounds insane to eat outside in 28 degree weather, but we're doing our part. But let me tell you this pro tip, bring a blanket. If you bring a blanket, you can get through those freezing temps and enjoy your meal. Our server, Maggie, was unbelievable. Tomer came out and said, hi, great time, was had by all. My biggest takeaway from the conversation with Tomer is that he approaches food in a very spiritual and disciplined way. He believes he's offering healing and togetherness, in this case through food. It's an act of creativity, and that's what makes him an artist, and I believe him. So for anyone listening, please go to Miss Otta's in Fort Greene. Go to Fort Greene. It's where Spike Lee is from. It's a great neighborhood. Uh, They've got the outdoor dining. The staff is fabulous. He's also got this coffee takeout spot in Carroll Gardens called Nilly. All right, here we go. My convo with Tomer Blackman. Amazing notes, I think. I think it's important, like, you know, we miss, I miss, and I think like everybody miss kind of like an interaction because you kind of like, you cannot meet random people now. You only do dates with people that you know, or family, and then you go to, I don't know, you can meet them maybe in a restaurant, but maybe in the park, but you barely meet new people anymore. And I think- I think it's uh, the restaurants and bars are like, you know, it's meeting points and like having these conversations and like exploring more of yourself with like different kind of people seeing some more kind of like little different like mindsets that you can use more when you're interacting with people that you don't really know. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I miss it, but also, you know, the togetherness of also of some people that are always together that are not 
possible now. Like, yep. you know, my, my cousin lives five minutes from me. He's like, literally lives like two blocks away. And I couldn't see him for eight months. You know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice. It's nice to hear that you're doing this. It's like it brings some warmth to, you know, to the heart and like little smiles. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. And it's also a nice way to connect with, you know, my friends and my family that are on the West coast that, uh, I was so close to over there. And so, um, it's just been fun. Yeah. So, um, first question I have for you is that we're all products of our environment in some form or another, and you were born in Israel. And I'd love to hear how the environment that you were brought up in, in Israel has informed your appreciation for food. Well, I think, yeah, I was, uh, the culture in Israel is very much sharing. So when I was growing up, I was, I grew up in Manana. It's a little town next to Tel Aviv, um, where I think when, when I was there, there was a lot of young people and, you know, lots of babies, just like growing up in the same, in the same houses and, when I was a kid, I was just going to my friends and eat their food. So I had like my next door neighbor was Persian. And so I went to their house and just like experienced like Persian food. And our friend was Moroccan. So I go there. I think like my first time I ate pita and hummus was like when I was probably like seven because okay. my parents came from Latvia. So it's more, you know, like little like not really the Middle Eastern food. It's more Russian food and potatoes, fish. So it was really interesting for me to figure out, you know, falafel, shawarma, like eat all these like different cuisines that are like kind of like everybody's like bringing everything from every country to Israel. So it was very interesting also to go, I think to go for me right now, to go to Israel, you know, Israel is, is a young country. So I was, I'm, I'm 43 now. And let's say about maybe 35 years ago, the cuisine was not developed as it is today. So you take some and it was very much, you know, kind of authentic to bring it to Israel. And then now, especially in the modern cuisine when chefs are taking things a little more seriously going back now to Israel, it's like, it's a different experience. Like you really can see the food was elevated in a way that it just, it's a different way to eat now. Back then it was, you know, only eat a sandwich on the way home, on the way from school. Now it's just like a different experience of the same cuisine, but elevated this Mediterranean style food that you're known for was not necessarily the food that would have been cooked in your home. You know, that it was, you had it, you were exposed to different types of cuisines from other cultures in Israel. And now you're making, you know, this Mediterranean cuisine, which is not your, your native Latvian food. <laughs> no, no, it's not completely. Yeah. Like also, yeah, I can go, I can go even back, you know, the only food that I cooked when I was in New York and I didn't cook in Israel, I only cooked in New York City. It was all Italian, Italian and, you know, like French technique. So what was your journey into getting into the food world? Because I know that you got into it a little bit later in life. So we'd love to hear about um, what you were doing in Israel and then how you made your way to the States. Went to the army like every 18 years old in israel you have to go to the army for three years what what kind of what what kind of food were they serving in the israeli army not the best food tell you. <laughs> um from from what i remember it's you know it's like kind of like you take like a pile of food bring it together for like a lot of people usually you don't even eat it you just go to the grocery store and just like you you eat what you want to eat and right. you don't go to the yeah kind of like like, I don't know, I don't know if it's like in school or maybe like in university, you just pick your own food. It's not so good. The food over there was not, was not something to remember. So I guess like, that's why I can't really remember what, what kind of food they served over there. 
But but yeah, after going after going out of the army, mm-hmm. the tradition also in Israel is to go for a trip. So you basically been a slave for the country of Israel for three years, and then you want to be free. So I went to I went to Southeast Asia, and I went there for about nine months. And in India, I kind of discovered spirituality and how to connect to, like, you know, not only my thoughts, how to connect to myself completely. And when I got back to Israel, I decided to, to do healing and shiatsu and acupuncture. And that's what I did until I was 28. So I was working in cafes because when you're going after your passion in some kind of way, like an artist, it's hard to make a living. So I was working in a cafe, in some restaurants, and getting some more experience of back of the house, the front of the house. But after doing this for a little bit, I decided that it's time to me. I didn't really decide to move to the States. My dad is a citizen of the States, and I had to go here to get my citizenship. I had a green card the whole time, and I decided to get a citizenship. And when I got to the States, I didn't have uh, any degree in, in alternative medicine. So I decided to go to the first thing that heal you and it's food. So the first thing that, in my understanding, that really heals you, it's what you eat and mm-hmm. it's what you feed yourself. If it's food, if it's other things. And that was my decision to go with, with food um, I kind of like search in between more like alternative gourmet places to see if it's the right fit. But I think for the most part, it wasn't too professional. So I went to the CIA and got my degree over there. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the path that I had from going and being in Israel army, getting into alternative medicine now, now I see that it doesn't matter what I do, as long as I use my two hands, it's the same healing. It's like the same healing for the kitchen, the same healing for myself and for the people that, that sit down and enjoy or sometimes don't enjoy, but it's all, it's all a creation. Yeah, and that's interesting how you went on this sort of inner journey. You were able to link that with food and become a little bit more external focused to you know, share your gifts with, uh, with people. It was a tough decision. Also, my body, you know, when you treat, when you heal yourself, like you're supposed to feel good in your body. My body is basically destroyed completely from working a lot. Yeah. But, but that's something that I have to go back and see and check. But, but yeah, cooking, cooking is not, usually cooking is not to heal yourself. Cooking is to destroy your body. That's, that's the, the working in the kitchen is hard. Yeah. It's, it's intense. I mean, even the kitchen at Miss Ada is a, it's a smaller environment and you're bumping up against one another and you have the elements of the food and heat everywhere and sharp objects. And there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot into it, you know, like also there's a lot into uh, owning a restaurant and not just cooking at a restaurant. So you have just like, you know, when I'm in service, I'm cooking, plating, interacting with people, interacting with the managers, have all this like balls to see like what's going on with the, the prep people and then making sure the guests are good. So yeah, there's a lot of elements going on that need to be juggled and need to be understandable. Yeah. Were there any were there any alternatives for you when you were th- when you were thinking about going into cooking or before you enrolled in the CIA? Were were you thinking? Were you debating between another career? As soon as I decided to cook, I was all in. Yeah, there was no way out. It was just I shaved my head. Uh-huh. I went to so I went to there is an institute in the, the Berkshire. It's called Kripalu Institute. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, kind of like a big meditation area that there is a lot of like the most famous yoga teachers go there and participate. And so I volunteered for a month to be there. 
and I went to work in the kitchen and I didn't have any experience. So the chef over there was like, you cannot work here. You can be a dishwasher. So I was a dishwasher in the kitchen yeah. at Fipalo. And then afterwards I shaved my head and went to the CIA. And it was like an army. The CIA is, is an army. You have to wear your uniforms. They have to be clean. You have to shave every day. You have to keep your shoes clean. You have to, it's like really like in order. So it was like my second army after going to the army for three years, becoming a hippie. Yeah. Back to the army. And back to the discipline. Yeah. The discipline, going to school again and going to the kitchens. So yeah, it was not easy. How, how do you think that, that that sense of discipline that was instilled in you in the army and also the CIA, how has that translated to your skills as a as a manager and as an owner of Misada? I think it really, well, the kitchen has a different language. So I had to learn the language of the kitchen. Um, I think the discipline was necessary for me because it, it makes you focus and it makes you kind of forget about, you know, you have to always aim to go, to go somewhere, but you always have to stay in the present because I think, I don't know, maybe it's a discipline. Maybe it's just like the hard work, but always stay in what you have, be fast in what you do and go towards something that you want to be or go towards something that you want to have. But in, in the time being, you have to be just moving very fast forward and right. the discipline that and just like, you don't see anything. You just go, you go straight. And right. if someone says yes, or someone says no, your chef, just like you agree. And if it's not right, you take it off and you start something new. And if this is not right, take it off and start something new. And right. it doesn't matter until it's right. So it makes you stronger. Right, right. I can only imagine. Now, um, you see, when you're going to the CIA, I'm, I don't know much about the curriculum. How long is that program? Was it a full-time program? And the CIA is in San Francisco, correct? And the CIA, there is one in Napa Valley, and then there is one in uh, upstate New York, okay. in Gypsy. Um, the curriculum is basically you live on campus. It's every day. Not every day, I guess. Five days a week, you wake up 7 a.m. and you finish at probably 6. And sometimes you have an overnight shifts when it's like when you have to serve breakfast, you have to wake up at 3 in the morning and start your shift at 3 a.m. So... It's not, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. In addition to teaching you cooking skills and learning the language of the kitchen, are they also teaching you about the business side of running a restaurant? Like so they teach you kind of like, yeah, they teach you the management side, they teach you the front of the house side, the wines. You kind of like take, they get to everything and every point of what do you need to get yourself? They go to Asian cuisine, Indian, Mediterranean, French techniques. Um, like it's a big variety of techniques that you can take. And if you want to focus on, let's say you don't want to be a cook and you want to be a sommelier, you can get it from the CIA because you have some wine classes and you can go in your externship, you can go to, to a wine store, you, you can go abroad to France and just like studied over there. So yeah, they expose you to everything and then you can see what, what's the best for you. And then you can go this route if that's what your passion is about. What, what were your goals in going to the CIA? Did you know that you always wanted to start your own restaurant eventually, or were you just focused on what the next step was, which was, I, you know, I read that you went and worked um, at Maialino and, and cook shop and, and, uh, some of, you know, Danny Meyer's other restaurants, but what were your goals when you were there? I think when I was there, I was very confused what my goals are because like I said, I came from different kind of world that I created myself yeah. and then I came to this CIA and it was, it was very like, over there being in the CIA was just like, I was a little shocked. Like what I got myself into, I was 28. And like my roommate was like 21. I was the beginning when I got there, I was in the 
dorms like below 21. So I had like really like, you know, like kind of like kids that are hanging out with me and just like, I felt like, wow, this is, I live in the dorms. There is nothing like this in Israel, but I was just like, wow, this is not what I expected. Um, but yeah, I think I just, I took it day by day at the end of the day, at the end of, you have a goal, like they give you a goal yeah. over there. Like they're like, okay, this is going to be your restaurant. So like create your restaurant, create your dishes, create. So they give you this, this kind of like stage for you to understand like, okay, this can be my goal. This can be something that I'm going to be doing. But when, when I was there, I was like, I have a long path until I'm going to have a restaurant until maybe I'm going to understand how this works because it was, it was, learning process how to be a chef i know it's right. not gonna become in one day so i knew for the next five years for the next seven years i'm just gonna work 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 in the kitchen right and, and from this decision from knowing deeply inside that that's gonna be what i'm gonna do it didn't matter to me at all where i'm gonna live what i'm gonna like how much money i'm gonna make i just wanted to to know as much as I can, to work as much as I can, and basically understand this language and understand the techniques and, you know, work myself up. So I, I can identify with that. I, I've often found that the times in my life when my options are the most limited, whether it's self-imposed, that focus in the limiting of options actually helps to propel me i feel like much longer uh, to, to have much greater rewards in the long term i think uh, i think at the end of the day you can get criticism like it, they can break you in the kitchens they can break you like this but you have to go back the next day doesn't matter what you have to go back yeah. the next day and they break you again and you have to go back the next day yeah it's like there is no other option you know you work 14 hours a day you go you go back to sleep and you wake up and you have to go again. So, what, what was tougher for you, being in the Israeli army or going through the CIA? <laughs> no, that's that was I think you know, being Israeli army was a joke. Compared, like I was I was in the air force in the Israeli army, and then I kind of maneuvered myself and I I kind of did whatever I wanted. I had my own car. I was driving it. It wasn't it wasn't uh, like maybe the beginning of the military service was hard. But yeah. cooking is hard for all the way. Cooking is, you go in and every day it's uh, like at least like in the big restaurants like Bramsey Tavern and, you know, like Malian, like every day is service. Every day you have to create tons of dishes and make them perfect and and see what's your, what you have available. It's, it's a lot of things that you just, by day, every day. Did you start to dabble with Mediterranean food and bring that into your life? Uh, like the type of food that you're making at Miss Ada? I think for family meals, like every like kitchen that I worked in, so you have to make family meal. And, you know, they're all kind of like, can you make this? Can you make this? And then I, was, I became famous for my Baba Ganoush that I was making, that I make it in Misada, I make it the same way as I made it for Final Meal. And there was like, we have a joke in my know, like every time like someone asked me like, hey, Tomer, what's, what's your secret for the Baba Ganoush? Like, what is it? And it's always like, I say like, it's ginger. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, ginger chef, ginger. Mm -hmm. and so I think like through making Family Meals, kebabs, like the kofta kebab, and then mm -hmm. the Baba Ganoush, and then just like got more and more into creating the food that you know my my kind of my roots are from, um, but in a twist. So like using much different techniques that we use in Israel, just like using my own techniques, my own flavors, things that I took from the kitchens in New York and put them into Israeli food. So like. A lot of people that they come to Misada that are Israelis, they taste the Baba Ganoush and they never tasted Baba Ganoush like this before because it doesn't exist. Or they tasted 
I say we have a sweet potato hummus. There is no sweet potato hummus. Um, so it's a lot. The knafe that we have, it's a, it's a dessert. It's made a little different. So like sometimes Israelis come and they don't really understand. Like this is not Baba Ganesh. This is not hummus. This is not knafe. Like make me a, a truly, make me a truly Baba Ganesh. But it's not. It's something, it's something else. So that's why I feel it's more like Israelis appreciate Mistada, but I think that people that are in the neighborhood and like people that from the city, they, they love it in a little better way than like my, my crowd is this community of people are that just like the flavors that we bring together in Mistada. So you describe it as Mediterranean food but then you were saying that some Israelis take issue with like how you prepare certain traditional Israeli dishes. Let's say if you take baba ganoush, for example, mm-hmm. it's made from, in Israel, made with tahini. Tahini, eggplant that is charred, garlic, and spices, cumin, um, maybe, maybe some coriander. You mix it all together and you have baba ganoush. And... This is traditional. In Misada, it's based on aioli. So we make an aioli and we put some garlic ginger, we char the peppers, and then we mix it all together. We put some champagne vinegar and then creates more a vibrant dish. And that's kind of like the difference to when Israeli comes, they accept the baba ganoush, really charred, really smoky, tahini. And I bring them the other thing. The knafe, for example, it's usually orange. Knafe is a shredded kadaif. Yeah. And you have a, it's a special cheese that you put and a lot of uh, rose water. Instead of we do it with goat cheese and ricotta and we put honey lavender. And then this is like the differences that if someone order a knafe that knows what a knafe is, he wants this knafe. And then I bring him this knafe and it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Send it back. It's not good. Sorry. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, our people like it, but, you know, Israelis are a tough crowd. Israelis are a tough crowd. They're, they're, they're more closed off to it. Um, so after graduating from the CIA, you then went to work at Union Square Hospitality Group and um, worked at a number of restaurants there. Was that an intentional decision to try to go work for, you know, this very well-renowned organization and to learn as much as you can? Yeah, um, I think. So learn from the best to, sort of thing. Go, when you go to the CIA, they tell you, this is the best school in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be the best. And you're going to be in the best restaurants. So they, like, they really get into the head. And I think it's true. They give you the tools to go to the best restaurants. And when you go to the best restaurants, it's all CIA students that right. work with you. So it's kind of like CIA ownership. Right. So when I went to, I actually read Danny Myers' book. It's, all, it's called Setting the Table. Yep. I haven't and read it yet, but I, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I read it before I decided where to go. And, I, and it blew me off. And... I was really drawn into his philosophy um, and I decided to work for him. And, and work- I know him as a celeb chef. I'm not as familiar with his philosophies. What are the philosophies that you were drawn to? The philosophies is that Danny Myers divides the, the experience of the guest to 51% is the front of the house. 49% is the back of the house. So a guest if someone treats him good and nice, he will come back. Even if the food is not that memorable. If the food is memorable, but someone treats him bad, he will never come back. So his philosophy of making kind of like the front of the house and the back of the house really work together and like really make it happen, both of them, because some kitchens, it's a war that doesn't like, the back of the house don't really respect the front of the house. But in Danny Myers, you do everything for the guests. The guest is the most important thing. If someone, if someone comes and needs to, like allergies wise, 
anything, anything that the guest brings to you, you have to understand how to approach it, how to make it work, how to make him feel like he's home. I think that's something that I got from working at USAG, but from reading, reading what the way that he went through and how we did GT and how we did Union Square Cafe, it was just, it was just amazing. And also Danny Myers is coming to Misada and supporting Misada and his wife does as well. So it's, 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 you know, it's a great relationship that I have with USAG family and Danny Myers himself and Audrey. It's, it's magnificent to be, to be kind of like continue his way. Right. I mean, that must've been a, a pretty gratifying experience. One to have gone there, been a supporter of his philosophy has gotten hired there. And then when you went out and started Misada's to have this person that you admired come into your restaurant, like, tell me about what was that experience like for you? Were you nervous when, when he came in and. Yeah. It was like my was like, like for me, it's like, you know, the, the best thing that can happen to get a circle back together and to sit and talk to him and present him, you know, to like, I think to see his fruits from my hands, like yeah. to see what he made and to bring him kind of like what, what I made for him. It was, yeah, I was, I was so happy. You know, he came in, I was so happy. My, my colleague, the head manager opened, he sat with me, he used to work at Tabla. So we both kind of like, were like USAG and it was an honor. And since then, you know, he's coming and always engaging and supporting and it's amazing. But yeah, going, going to USAG, it was the decision that I had it was either EMP or GT, and I trailed in both. And GT, at the end GT of the day, being GT being Gramsci Tavern. Tavern. Yeah. Yep. And EMP, Eleven Medicine Park. It was two different kitchens, two really good kitchens to have the opportunity to work at. And at the end of the day, I chose Gramsci Tavern, and it was the beginning of my career, you know? And all the people that worked with me over at GT continue to work with me in my Lino, and now, you know, we all are the next generation chefs of New York City. It's nice to hear that there's a supportive network there in the city that I'm sure is very uh, comforting to rely on. Yeah, no, so yeah, GT was the main school. I think GT, my Lino, like if you go to like big restaurant, that's your school. CIA yeah. an introduction to culinary education. Working in a big kitchen, that's that's your school. Like that's where you actually learn how to be a cook, how to know the language, how to treat food with respect, how to see things as a chef. So that's that's where you actually come into after graduating. And then at, so then at what point into your tenure at Gramercy Tavern? did you realize, you know what, I think that I've learned as much as I can, or I've accumulated enough experiences and skills here that I think that I, I'm ready for the next leap in my career and potentially to start my own restaurant. After working at the cook shop. So at cook shop, I went, cook shop is, is the big restaurant as well. And yeah, I worked, I worked there and I worked a lot. Mm-hmm. He came, you know, he came at 11 a.m. and didn't stop running until 1 a.m. Just like nonstop. God, the, the hours, the, the hours, the chefs and the people in the restaurant business put in, it's so intense. And you're working late in the evening, too. It's not like you're working more traditional nine to five or nine to five extended hours. You're it's just it's tough. I salute you for you guys really grind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, we are. We're like, I think, doctors and and then chefs. It's, yeah. I think doctors work even more at the beginning. But the doctors, they know after, you know, after the residency and after they go and becoming right. a doctor, they have your award. As chefs, you don't know. <laughs> like, you, you work for someone, you know, you don't know how much you're going to make. 
Like, right. it's not really like someone's going to give you back. And that's what I felt. I felt I'm working this much all the time. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I want to work for myself because I know that I can work. And I know that I can work hard. And I know what kind of food I can do. And, and I had no doubt if I put as much work as I put for other people right. to myself, I can do it and I will do it. So for me to, to have this vision in my mind and to know that that's my next goal, I, I let go of everything and I just started searching for a restaurant. But basically I had no budget, no investors, nothing. Just I was like, I'm going to do this. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what. And it took me a year and I opened Mistada. Right. And, 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 and what were the main ideas uh, at the beginning of Misada? The main idea was for me was to enter Misada and feeling like you go inside a market. So going and feeling like the smells and hearing the kitchen and hearing the plates and, and seeing it and just like be, be the center of the, the center of the restaurant, even, yeah. even though it is small, but that's what I wanted to bring in. It's like bring the energy of the kitchen outside. So I wanted it. It actually, you know, I looked at tons of spaces mm-hmm. to, to see what's available and to find a space. It's, must, it's one of the hardest things to do basically right. when almost like when you have no budget, especially yeah you're just like looking around and like you're like okay this is maybe maybe this is like maybe i can rent something for 12 maybe i can rent something for 10 you know yeah. really know i didn't have any experience yeah but but my the vision was you know israeli cuisine kind of vibrating like colors seasonal springing bringing all everything together and you know, I was lucky to to find a space that I found to be in the neighborhood that I am. And from then on, it was, you know, we work on induction burners. I don't have gas. Oh, wow. You know it, but, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so we work on induction burners. We have an oven, which is, you know, it's not the biggest oven that you can find in the market. It's not the best stovetops. Yep. Nothing in Misada is... You know the best but yeah the heart is there and everybody that work there like we created a family and i have people like people that work with me in misada they've been with me for previous restaurants so i have maybe four people that have been with me for eight years already oh, and, and now the cooks in the kitchen been with me for three years so it's you stick to it we stick to our passion and it's it's community and we bring what we have outside and people that come from the outside, they can change what we have inside. So everything is fluid. Like nothing, nothing is, nothing is kind of like, you know, stuck this, we're going to do this. We're going to do yeah. this. All the plates are different. All the cups are different. All the silver is different. Yeah. Everything can be changed. It's in Fort Greene and Fort Greene has such a unique community uh, that's unlike other parts of New York City. You've got the park, which is, you know, obviously this, this beautiful park um, in South Brooklyn. Um, and then you have the farmer's market there and you've got the beautiful brownstones. And there seems to be in Fort Greene, a very unique community, which isn't replicated across the city from what I can tell. Uh, Fort Greene, like you said, is very, very unique. People love this neighborhood. People that live in Fort Greene, they love Fort Greene. They love to have their dogs in the morning going to the park because in between seven to nine, you can free the dogs. And then they love to get coffee, bittersweet. They love to talk to each other. So it's kind of a meeting point. It's not like an neighborhood that no one wants to talk. People, they like to be green. They like to be compostable. They like to buy from the farmer's market. They like to talk. They like to have good, good quality ingredients, um, good wines. There used to be a store right across from Isada, a wine store that was kind of like a revolution, like, I guess, revolutionary to, to the wine and whiskey. They mm-hmm. gave a lot of taste and a lot of education. So 
Fort Wynn became very educated for wines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's also very diverse. So you have people from all over the world, all kinds of colors. They changed what, you know, what my vision was for, for my culture of Misada. They kind of like, I got servers that coming in, they lived in Fort Wynn, they brought their own music, their own vibe, their own drinks, kind of like their own spirits. We yeah. only serve like we only serve natural wines in Misada that are usually very funky, like stinky. Uh-huh. That I particularly like. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the community really, really brought itself, and we they gave us a lot of love, and we give we give the love back as much as we can. But we got huge support from yeah. from our neighbors and from from the beginning. So yeah, I appreciate you know I appreciate this neighborhood. It's I feel like it's the heart of New York City. You could you could see it when Biden got elected. You could see what what it is about, like what how much excitement and like what went over there. It was it was a huge huge party, and everything that happens you know in New York, you first you see it in Fort Wayne, and you see it for real, like. No, there is no filters. Like you see everything. Um, so speaking on community, we'd love just to keep going a little bit further there. So you have the community with the patrons. Um, you have your community, uh, you know, with the staff. Um, and I've had a couple other restaurateurs on. Um, Carlos Kiriate, who owns uh, the Smile Restaurants, and he was talking about um, – the public's response um, and the support that he's gotten uh, from his patrons after the pandemic. Um, I know it sounds very trite and cliched, but I'd love to hear what your takeaways have been on the importance of community in light of the pandemic. And I, and the reason why I asked that question, I don't want to, I feel it's like a repetitive at this point, just to say, tell me about the pandemic and what it's done to you. But I would love to try to if, if at all possible, to reframe the question in a more positive way and the takeaways that we can all gather from this thing, which is our relationships are the most important thing that we have in our lives. So we'd just love to hear from you what the, what the importance of community uh, has taught you in, in light of the pandemic. Yeah, I think, you know, when the pandemic, when the pandemic happened, we, we had to close. Um, but before we closed, we basically... We, we ourselves, we made, we had to throw all the food away. Instead of throwing all the food away, we decided to yeah. cook it for the community. So we, we put table outside and we just made all the hummus that we had and shakshuka and pickles and salads and everything. And we just gave it to the community because we didn't have anything else to do with it. Um, Amazing. Afterwards, you know, everybody did go find me. We got some support over there and a lot of people that supported Misada, like give give their heart and give as much as they can to support them, the staff and and Misada itself. Um but basically I think the most the most support that we got was when we decided to open me and my two sous chefs. After a month of being home we were I was I was ready to be on for another month, but my sous chefs and some of the employees that I have in Misada, they were like, we need to go back to work. We cannot take it anymore. And like mm-hmm. some of them couldn't take it financially as well. So I decided to open. So we opened after a month and it was for about two months we did take out and delivery, which was insane. Like was really we got we got the big support we needed over there. So that's amazing. Yeah, like the take on and delivery, and then you know, when all the quarters went, it was it was, you know, everybody everybody came through, and some people stopped and got food and got drinks. So we had we had a good support in the pandemic. One of the things that I've noticed and that experience here at night is the staff there is amazing. Everyone's so positive and you get the feeling that there's like a sense of family there and the people actually really enjoy working there. Maggie was our server. She was amazing. Um, uh, Carlos made the comment that people working in restaurants are first line workers. He's like full stop. They're first line workers. These are people who are 
putting their lives on the line. There is a pandemic still very much active in the world, but that, you know, you guys are providing therapy. Well, I appreciate you saying this. I'll tell you why. Um, all the stuff with the front of the house, only two people came back from the pandemic. I had people that worked from the beginning for three years and they they all never came back. So Maggie and mm-hmm. like all the staff from the front of the house, except one person, they all came to the team after we started to open. And I think I think what what makes it unique experience is they they are their own managers. There is, you know, they I I see what they do and I appreciate it and I give them feedbacks and my manager himself, but they take responsibility of everything. So they are passionate about service and they get the freedom to to decide and to do what they need to do for the guests. So if they like to pour some wine, if they like to give an extra thing, if they like to to do anything, they they are allowed to. And I think that gives them the the stage to be happy, the stage to be yep. connecting to people. And they have all the support from me and they have all the support from Tyler, my manager. And, you know, Maggie, Maggie is a really, really unique server like that I haven't haven't met in a long time. So she is she is her own kind of of fashion of wine and service and lucky, I'm lucky. That's the end of the, the, end, the end of the yeah. of the day. I'm lucky to have such such great people that are surrounding me and giving service and working in beside them. And uh, even despite, uh, I'm sure, a very challenging year for you, um, you were able to open uh, a coffee outpost. Is it Neely or Nilly? Neely? Neely, yeah, Neely. I don't know how to pronounce it. Neely. What can you tell us about Neely and how that came together? So I used to work, I used to live above Neely in the building. Um, the, it was a milk bar before, and then it closed in November last year. And I got the space. I didn't know about the pandemic, of course. So I got the space, and I got the space because it's a great location. I didn't know what I'm going to do if it's... Um, and then... You know, it was nearly was made. I wanted to do a little bit of misada at nearly take some of the food that I have and misada available all day. So the sweet potato is available, the ricotta is available, the hummus, the baba ganoush, the pita. So it's something people are asking all the time. And especially, you know, for me, like, especially to give the pita away and to bring some more spice to this neighborhood because Carol Gardens. Is a very nice neighborhood to live in, but it's missing the spice. It's missing some something that can give her a little challenge, because it's very kind of yeah. like like you live there, you have your kids, you go, but it's not something like so. Like give it a little more magic, like kind of take it take it to the next level. Carol Garden, I love it. And 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 uh, what's the reception been so far? People been open to the to the spice you're throwing at them. Yeah, people love it. People love it. You know, like we have a great coffee program. And, you know, we start always, but like you also like see like we bring the vibe, like bring the music, we bring the, the people, we we talk to people, like we're very upfront. And yeah, we just like also over there, I'm going to bring some funky wines. Just like give it, give it a little more than not be boring. Well, good is good. Even if it's funky, I think people, people appreciate things that are good. And uh, you're a great curator for that. Thank you so much, Ryan. We've just got a few more questions for you. We'll kind of do like a little lightning round. Um, so the first question for you is, uh, when I was in Nili today, you guys had some great music going. I like to ask all of my guests, what has been the most listened to music for you over the pandemic? I love African disco so um I know you take it like Jesus sisters and then I guess just like something that is very uplifting very vibey and like I, th- I think that it's just like bring everybody together next question for you this is actually from one of my uh, best friends out in New York City the first time 
I had dinner at Mesada. Um, I had a sort of a dinner party with some friends. We took over the, one of the main tables, about 10 people, and we had an amazing time. And I texted him and asked if he had any questions for you. And he was curious to know about your plateware. Well, the plateware, I think what, what's nice about it is it's all kind of unique. It's all Japanese plateware. So it's not something that you can see anywhere. Like you can see it some, some other places, but like I said before, you're going to order the salmon. One day is going to come in this plate. One other day is going to come in a different plate. So the plates that become first are like very small. So it's all meant for sharing. Um, I think it's, it makes, it makes it a little bit more interesting and little, a little more when you go into a place that has nicer plates, like I mentioned to you when you talked about Clara, they have really nice plateware as well. It makes you, it makes you know that they take care into, if they take care into the plates, they probably take care of the food, probably take care of how to bring the plates out. So every little thing that is in Misada and in Nili was chosen very carefully. The plates, the all the design, all the things that that you can see were were chosen. It's not a coincidence that it's there. It's not something that was bought from like a huge restaurant depot or something. It was so chosen right. individually. And you said especially, you know, everything that is there, like I got myself at reuse or got it by my hands and made it by my hands. So yeah, I think it, it takes- I love it. The plate says, say a lot about the restaurant. Now, the last question is, I don't know if you've done any traveling over the last nine months, um, but when hopefully things get back to normal, whatever that might look like, where are you looking forward to going so you can relax, take a deep breath and, and uh, do a little vacationing? Probably Tulum is going to be, if I can, it's like where, where I can really relaxed, even if it's for a short time, I can really feel like I'm relaxing and eating well and connecting again. So probably, probably Tulum and hopefully can travel more and then, then I can go to Israel and explore some more, but I think for, for traveling. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. What's going to be yours? Just asking. I think I, I want to go to Oaxaca. I'm oh, not okay, yeah. So that's that's it. I mean, do a little mezcal, a little surf. They've got the great food scene there. Um, so I just want to take it in. Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Mexico it is. Maybe I'll see you there. Yeah. I really appreciate it, Ryan. We'll put it really, out there. Really good to see you and Misada and here and Italy. Thank you for supporting. And hopefully I can all see you again in the big table. And we can all have, uh, you know, we can have a mezcal shot together and eat and laugh Absolutely. and dance to the music.